At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. loosen my tie, do you, gang? <laughs> How do you like this tie? I made it myself, you know. It comes from the kid. It's <laughs> I'm sorry. Bring it up there, big there, man. My funny was over All right, all set here. Hang in there, gang. I'm ready to go here. Very important stuff here tonight. Man. Insist on total attention. There you go. Very good. Very good. Very good. Uh, I got very important material here for you tonight, and uh, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want you to look the other way or pick your ear or anything else. You better listen. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, my old man. How many of you have lived in a, in a house where your father type, or do live in a house where your father is always saying things like, uh, do you realize that the guy that invented the paper clip retired a multi-multi-billionaire? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, he's always always saying that stuff, see? And another thing he would say would be like, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know... He would say at this kitchen table, of course, my old man never made more than $27 a week all his life. And uh, he would sit at the kitchen table and he's in his BVDs and about five strategic buttons are missing and he's drinking his, his beer. And he would look up with this look of profound realization of a great truth. 
as if he had just made this fantastic idea up. He would say, you know, has it ever occurred to you that some of the simplest ideas are uh, the ones that really make... You know the man that invented the match? And my mother would say, really? And he'd say, yes, the man that invented the match, just a little match that you scratch, millions of dollars. And the, uh, the, uh, the, what he would imply was that these ideas were all around in the air. See, all you had to do was reach out and grab one, <laughs> concentrate hard enough, and you would invent the paper clip, or you'd invent a match. And he also further would imply that any day now, it was going to happen to him. He was going to think of this thing. Like, uh, I remember him one time saying, you know, I wonder if the rubber band is patented. <laughs> you know, yeah, I just as a kid, I remember him saying that. Well, for a long time, I tried to invent stuff. I wonder, this is a boy thing. I don't think girls ever do this. Uh, I think, uh, did you ever do this, Matt? Absolutely. Males, for a long time, I tried. And do you know I still have an idea in my head that I, I was inventing when I was about nine? That, uh, that I still, <laughs> it's still there, and I've never given it up. And so, oh, speaking of paper clips, uh, there was a little note. Uh, this is uh, where the important type stuff comes in. We have a note from Detroit. Uh, there was a <laughs> survey made that there is probably no more insignificant office item than the paper clip. What do you mean, insignificant office item? I don't think any office can run without a paper clip. But nevertheless, it says there is no more insignificant office item than the paper clip. Yet a recent survey on the fate, they plotted the fate of 100,000 paper clips. What happened to them? It showed that 14,163 were twisted or broken during telephone calls. <laughs> now, there's an interesting idea that, that one out, let's see, 14,000, that's about 15,000. That's roughly one-sixth, isn't it, out of 100,000? 15,000 is roughly one-sixth, something like that. Something like that. One out of every six paper clips is twisted and broken during a phone call. 17,200 were used as makeshift suspender hooks. <laughs> that, that, that I can't believe. 5,434 of these became toothpicks. 5,308 were used as nail cleaners. 3,106 became pipe cleaners. 19,143 were used as chips and card games. <coughs> you know, I kind of like that idea. But uh, now, now, the only reason that I'm... Uh, oh, out of, out of 100,000 paper clips, only 20,000 were used to clip papers together. Well, now, uh, that means, then, that, that, that uh, there is a great, uh, there's a great need for stuff to twist while people talk. Did I ever tell you about the guy that I knew who became a great paper clip sculptor? He did fantastic stuff with paper clips. He would sit there all day long on the phone... And he'd twist paper clips while he's talking with the phone up on his shoulder. He's yapping away. He was an agent. And he would sit there and make these things. And the one day somebody came in and said, Say, that is a very nice horse there, Charles. Where did you get that? He said, Well, I made it out of paper clips. I says, Really? I says, Yeah. Well, I'll make one. And he made another horse. The guy took it away, and within minutes, there was a fantastic vogue in the office. This was over at Benton Bowl, by the way. There was a tremendous vogue over there. Everybody had this guy's paperclip sculpture on his desk. He's the only true folk artist I know that came out of the paperclip school that had a show at the Museum of Modern Art. 
It developed. Now, uh, speaking of developments, by the way, that brings up something else. The whole idea of uh, of creating a, an invention. And uh, I don't I don't know uh, I don't know. Again, I can't speak for women. I, I uh, never having been a girl type. But it just never occurs to me that girls sit around when they're ten. Hey, Herb, when you were a kid, did you ever? Now, this is a, I, I, it is my theory that this is a male thing. When you were, say, 10 to about 15, did you think about inventing something? <laughs> I never have known a girl to do this. But you know what? I, I, as a, I, I shouldn't be giving this secret away. I, I invented something when I was a kid. And uh, it's always been in the back of my mind when I think of inventions. This, uh, this, <coughs> this little thing. Wait a minute. That's CR... That Hello, I'm testing the cough button here. Uh, yeah, okay. Okay, it's on the air? Well, that's all right. I don't mind that. People know that I got lungs. I mean, you know, I don't mind that. <laughs> so long, man. Good luck in that next room there. That's going to be a bad scene. But uh, I, I had this theory when I was a kid. Now, I remember the, the light bulb lit up over me. You remember when you used to see in the, in the comic strips the light bulb lighting up over a guy's head that would say, gigantic idea? Well, here is my invention. Now, if you're a kid out there and you've been thinking of something you've been trying to invent, and uh, I come from a family, I think most boys would listen to their father, who would always say, I, m- I imagine your father even said it, Herb, why the man that invented the paperclip made a fortune. Didn't you ever hear that around your house? The man that invented the match. Why, that guy made billions. Why, think of the guy that invented the straight pin. The straight pin. Did somebody invent the straight pin? Well, I am, I'm in seventh grade. I remember specifically it was seventh grade when I invented my invention. I'm, a, I'm right at the very peak of my, invent, my invention stage. Fantastic uh, involvement in trying to invent something great. And <laughs> I was building stuff, and, and I had uh, making model airplanes and all. I was right in the middle of the building phase that kids go through. And I'm sitting in a geography class. Now, you took geography once. I'm sitting in this geography. Wasn't that a boring drag? <laughs> I'll tell you, it was bad news. But I'm sitting in this geography class, see? And uh, it's one of those rare moments that I actually remember something that happened when I was in grade school. I'm sitting back there, way in the back of the room, where all the other S's are, and the D, the, you know, the D's are up in the front waving their hands, and the A's and the B's. I'm way in the back there. And Mr. Melton, our... Geography teachers up in the front. Now, why he got on the subject, I don't know. Because it has nothing to do with geography. But I remember him saying it. He said this, and we quote. He said, now, when you burn something, like if you take uh, a leaf now, and uh, he was demonstrating it. And uh, why? I, don't ask me why he was doing this in geography class. And uh, he took a, a, a leaf, and he put it on the bottom of the wastebasket. With these big metal wastebaskets, he put the wastebasket on top of his desk. And he had a leaf. And he lit it. And it's burning. The kids are looking. And any time anything actually happened in school, like a, an actual demonstration, that was the only time about a third of the class actually woke up. You know, Doppler wakes up. He's looking. Everybody's, everybody's looking up there. And you see this leaf burning. And then Mr. Melton said this. He says, now, you see what is left, of course. That's, that's the ash. That's called the ash now. He says, now, if you were to take, say, something like a bone, let's say... Uh, a regular bone, you, you burn this bone, what would be left? 
Well, he said, what is left is non-combustible material. It won't burn. He says, it's a potash or something. He said, uh, use some technical phrase. Well, I'm sitting back there, and I'm thinking about this. He says, uh-huh. Hmm. What's left after you burn bones or anything like that is non-burnable. Then why can't you make stuff out of that that is fireproof? In other words, <laughs> Take ashes and uh, grind them up and make stuff out of ashes. Like bricks and things, you know, like uh, building materials or anything else, you see. Then it's fireproof. So I thought about that. Immediately I said to myself, well, this is obviously one of those simple, fantastic ideas that nobody's ever thought of. And, uh, you know, I mean, you don't have to go and dig up that stuff, that asbestos and all that stuff, when you can do this, just... Burn up a lot of stuff, and the ashes you got obviously won't burn. So I said, hmm, I'd better keep this to myself. Never tell anybody. And I rushed home from school that night, and I began my long series of highly provocative and informative experiments in the basement. Well, now in the basement, we had, we had this little heater that you could use to heat hot water. Have you ever seen the kind of heater that you can, you can, uh, it's a gas heater that you can burn stuff on? Uh, you, 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 in other words, it had a big tank, you know. You've, you've, you've had those heaters in the basement. You go down and you light it and it heats the water. Well, it had gas jets, see. Well, I began my great series of experiments that afternoon. I took a bone, which I found out in the backyard that Zero, Junior Bruner's dog, had been chewing on, an old dried bone. I brought it in the house. And I, I stuck it on a, on, a, on a poker, and I held it in the gas jet. Well, it started to burn. Have you ever burned a bone? Well, it smells. <laughs> That's the first thing you learn. <coughs> and I'm burning this bone, and I burned this bone all the way down. And now i got this little, it's a charred piece of bone. Really, is all it is. And then I took the bone, and boy, am I stinking up the house. I took the bone, and I put it on the floor, the Basement floor, and I hammered it with a hammer now, and I made a powder out of it. Okay? Well, it was so little, though. There was only about a, like a teaspoon full of this stuff. See? So I ran out in the backyard, and I looked for another bone. And uh, sure enough, you know, you'd be surprised at the number of bones that you can find around on the ground if you look for bones. In fact, that's something that uh, has always surprised me, that uh, if you want to really start looking for things, I mean, you, you really look down at the ground when you walk around out in a vacant lot or someplace, just a field. You'd be amazed at what you'll find. If you decide that you're going to look for a nail, I can find anything you want me to find in ten minutes. Have you ever tried that, Herb? When you're out building stuff? Sure. You, you mean to tell me you have not ever walked out and says, i got to look for a nail. And you look around, you pick up a nail. Have you ever done that? Oh, okay, then. Do you know that, that, that almost anything you want you will find if you look in a field? Well, now, you think that's a surprise. Well, let me tell you this. The other day, I was up in Boston, and uh, we were doing a bit on that. It was a television thing I was doing. And it was about contemporary archaeological finds. In other words, what would you do if you were an archaeologist and you were looking in this vacant lot? And I said to the guy, wouldn't it be great if we could find a tool? And he says, uh, yeah. I said, but I can. He says, oh, come on. 
Five minutes later, right there in the weeds, I came up with an old rusty wrench. In fact, we have littered the world so much, in the, at least in the, the metropolitan areas, that uh, you can hardly walk five feet without finding some evidence of our civilization. And it varies. I mean, you can find buttons, you can find pins, you'll find... I'll tell you this, I'll bet if you take the average vacant lot, and uh, let's say it's uh, 100 feet by 100 feet, and you spend five hours seriously going over it with a fine-tooth comb, you'll probably find every representative U.S. coin, contemporary coin. Now, that surprises you, doesn't it? Well, it's a, it's a fact. And if, and, and if you do it, I mean, really look. I mean, seriously look. And so I go out in the backyard and I find another bone. Well, now I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm really hung on the bone scene. So I came back with the bone and I burned that bone and it came out to be about another quarter of a teaspoon of ashes. Well, by that afternoon, by the time it was getting dark out, I must have burned like 28 bones that I found out in the backyard. Now, uh... Uh, in the meantime, of course, nobody's at home, you see, and I'm, I'm burning all these bones, and boy, what a fantastic smell it made. Oh, you know, I, I, and I was totally unconscious of it because I was deeply involved. See, what I'm doing, I'm burning this thing. Well, all of a sudden, I hear from the top of the steps, I hear my mother hollering down, What are you doing down there? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm in a see, see, this is a secret. I, I want to keep this secret because I'm, I'm inventing something. So she says, What are you doing down there? I says, uh, Oh, I'm... Uh, I'm uh, soldering. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I was always soldering something. She says, "Well, you're really making a terrible smell." Now, what are you doing? She starts to come down the steps, and I had this pile of ash that I had burned up on the gas jets. That was about two cups or maybe three cups of ash, and I had it on a newspaper. So I quickly take the newspaper and I wrap it all up, and I stick it under a bunch of boxes. And there I am down there, see, surrounded by nothing but a few little traces of ash. And she comes down. She says, "What are you doing?" So nothing, nothing, nothing. And she says, well, you certainly have been making a funny smell. I said, what smell? You know, our kids, total total denial is always the, what smell? She said, well, there's a funny smell here. Don't you smell it? Said, no, no. I don't smell anything. She said, well, something's burning. How many times have you heard that in your life? I smell something burning. She said, I smell something burning. I said, well, I don't smell anything. I'm sniffing. I said, well, I can smell the... Uh, Tires over in the corner. My old man had a pile of used tires that he kept in the basement. I said, smell the tires on it. So I smell something burning. And she started to look around. And pretty soon she says, well, if you're burning anything down here, you better be careful. And she goes back upstairs. Now I take my inventions. Okay, I've got enough of it now to try. And so <laughs> it's embarrassing to tell you the story because... <laughs> because, you know, male types, and I'm, I'm sure every boy, ex-boy, or every, any male listening to me, he knows the feeling of trying to invent something. So I take this pile of ash over to the sink. We had this sink down in the basement where my mother would wash clothes or something down there, and, and uh, she would soak stuff in it. So I put some hot water in the sink, just a little bit, and I drip it into the stuff. I'm trying to make a paste out of it. Well, have you ever made a paste out of ground ash? Instantly, it's a fantastic mud. Oh, boy, is it cruddy. It's black mud, grayish black mud. is sticking all over the place, and I'm trying to make it into a brick. I figured that if, if, if I get this thing made into a nice, hard brick, and then I was going to bake it. I had an idea if I baked it, then I would have something that is totally, completely non-inflammable. I've invented something. So I make this... 
into a patty. Like the best I could do is make it into a patty. And down the stairs comes my kid brother. Just as I've got it made into a patty. He says, what are you doing? You know, kid brother, you're going to kill him anyway. He says, what are you doing? I says, nothing. Go on back upstairs. What are you doing? I says, nothing. Will you get back upstairs? I'm doing something here. Now get back upstairs. <laughs> Anytime. <I'm> gonna... <laughs> and instantly I hear my mother yelling, are you, are you hitting him again? Says, no, come on. I'm not doing anything. He's just bothering me. Get upstairs, I'll kill you. <laughs> and he's looking at this patty. See, I've got a hamburger made out of bones, dust. And I'm holding it in my hands, and I'm trying to make it into something. You know, I'm trying to invent something here. And he's he's looking at it. I said, oh, if you tell him I'm going to kill you, I'm going to kick you. Ooh. I'm just going to choke you and grab you. Ooh. Yeah, this way, you know, instantly when you would... Of course, it was my fault, because uh, I, I should have known. The minute you start threatening me, he starts yelling. I said, oh, I said, oh. So I put, the, I put the, the patty back in the sink. I ran on, I'm going to hit him, see? <laughs> With that, my mother comes charging down the stairs. She says, now, will you stop hitting him? He's yelling. I said, I didn't hit him. And then she saw it in the sink. So what's that in the sink? I said, what? What? What, 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 what's in the sink? She said, what is that stuff? What, what, what is that, what is that, mud or something in the sink? And she walked over there and was making a terrible stink. Now, I don't know anything about the chemical reaction <laughs> to water. I guess it makes potash or something, doesn't it? What does it do when you put water in, in, in ash? But it was making a fantastic smell. Now, I imagine every chemist out there knows what I was doing. And it was making some kind of a chemical reaction. And she walks over to this sink and she says, What is... What is that smell? What, what is this stuff? She's sniffing it. She says, Are you sure you weren't burning something? Those are, what have you been doing here? She was totally confused. There were a little pile of ashes like a hamburger patty in the sink. It was wet. And I said, the, well, I don't know. It's, I never saw it. She said, are you lying to me again? I said, no, I, I didn't see what, what I, I, I never messed with the sink, which was true. <laughs> she said, well, what is in this sink here? And with that, she turns the sink on, down the drain. All of my invention down the train. Speaking down the drain, this is WOR, New York. Less than a day away on the other side of the world lies Australia. Australia with its golden beaches, sky-climbing cities, improbable creatures like the platypus. And you, will you see the wonders down under? Fly Qantas. Fly and drive Australia on a tour that treats you better all around. From California, it starts at $908. For your jet round trip, an Avis car for 14 days and 14 nights at some of Australia's best motor inns. See your travel agent and fly Qantas. Fly Qantas. Qantas treats you better all around. Qantas treats you better all around. Today, on a pointless holiday, 
Well, I never tried it again. <laughs> I never tried it again with the with the, with the with the ash. Well, years go by. Years go. I practically forgotten. Years go by, and one day, this was only a couple of years ago. I see my mother. I'm out visiting, you know. And the, she lives in the same house. So I went down in the basement to get some stuff that she wanted me to get out of the basement. And here's that same sink. Well, no, I, I, at that point, I never thought anything about it. See, the same sink there. So I'm down there taking stuff out of the basement. I'm bringing stuff upstairs. And my mother comes halfway down the steps, and she says this. She says, do you remember that day you were burning something in the sink? I said, it was what? She says, the day you were burning something in the sink. Do you remember that? I said, I wasn't burning anything in the sink. She says, yeah, I came downstairs and there was that funny smell. You were hitting Randy. I said, I was hitting Randy and I was burning something. And then it came back to me. My invention. Well... We are creatures of total habit, Herb. Don't you believe we're not? Without even missing a beat, I denied it all. I said, Mom, you're out of your mind. Me, you know, me burning something in a sink. That's ridiculous. She won't. I, I never could figure that out. There's a smell down there. And she says, I couldn't figure it out. There were ashes in the sink that day. And she said, I could smell something burning in the basement. Just wonder what it was. I wonder what it was. Whether Randy was doing something. I said, yeah, yeah, probably Randy was. <laughs> well, tonight is the first night that I have admitted that deep inside of my psyche there has remained this invention. That if you take bones and burn them and you make stuff out of the residue, the ash, you will have something that is non-inflammable. And therefore, I will become rich and famous, and I can buy an island off the coast of South America and uh, do what my old man always said everybody should do to make big dough. Of course, he had all these things. I mean, I just wonder how many guys here tonight, listening tonight, grew up in a house where you had your father was a total expert on almost anything. And he would say things like this, typical, typical, typical comment of the old man. He would say, now listen. This is this is what's called uh, slob knowledge in the world. Say, so, yeah, look, uh, you know, I met a guy the other day in a bar. It was over at Flick's Tavern, right? My mother said yes. And you know what I? You know what he said? He said to me that he knows a guy whose cousin lives in Terre Haute, Indiana. And he knows a man who went to school with him. Now, this guy knew this guy who invented a battery that would last for 50 years. They bought him out. Oh, boy, you never heard of that one, did you? You don't think they'd let that out, do you? Oh, boy. No, that's nothing. Listen, did I tell you about the time the guy that I met once in the bowling alley? Huh, you haven't heard nothing. The guy in the bowling alley, he knew a guy who lived... I believe it was in Nashville. Matter of fact, yes, it was in Nashville, Tennessee. He knew this guy that lived in Nashville, Tennessee, whose friend who went to school with him invented a pill 
that all you do is put it in the gas tank, and you get a hundred miles to the gallon of water. You don't use gas. You don't think they'd let that out. You don't think them guys at Standard Oil would let that one out? You're out of your mind. Oh, man. Listen, they bought that guy out. As a matter of fact, they probably had that guy murdered. Probably sent him off to South America someplace. Never heard from him again. Oh, yeah. Oh, his, his favorite one was this one. This he repeated all of his life. This one. He's driving the Oldsmobile, see. We had this car, friends, that uh, when it was parked out in the garage with the key off, you could hear it burning gas. <laughs> you would just sit out there and it, was, it, it sounded like a big pig sitting in a trough. You could hear it drinking it. In fact, if you, uh, how about that's one of my favorite commercials. Do you, uh, how about that commercial of, that, of the gas hog? Have you seen that commercial? I think it's a Volvo commercial. One of the foreign cars, and it shows this monster in the garage, that, that cartoon monster, and it's got an enormous set of jaws like a, like an alligator. It's was eating the house and everything. Well, that's the kind of car we always had. See, so the, the Oldsmobile was sitting out there in the garage, and you could hear it slurping in this big trough of gas. It's drinking out of gas. Every time we'd pass a gas station, the old man would pull in, and they'd pour more of it in. At the, he was, you know, he was always fighting a battle of gas all of his life. So, this is the mythology that he believed. I remember one day, when it first happened, he used to get in these fantastic arguments with my mother about it. So, when they were driving along, he has just put in nine gallons of gas in the Oldsmobile. We are now seven blocks away. It's already half empty. And uh, he says this. Oh, this clunker. I'm so fucked, this gas. Oh. Boy, oh, boy. Oh, if I could only get one of did you ever hear about the carburetor that that guy invented in Auburn, Indiana? My mother always would say, what? What do you mean, what? Did you hear about that carburetor? Listen, this guy in Auburn, Indiana used to work for, uh, I think he worked for Studebaker, someplace like that. He lived in Auburn, Indiana, and he spent 40 years of his life down in a basement. What do you think he was doing? What? Well, he was inventing a carburetor. And he invented this carburetor. It was a carburetor that would give you over 150 miles to the gallon of gas. A real fantastic carburetor. And look at this clunker. You don't think for a minute they're going to let that out, do you? Well, my mother was always getting mad by asking a logical question. You see, uh, logic had no place in my father's mythology. I mean, no. I mean, it's like going up to a guy who believes in uh, Apollo, the Greek god, and saying, what do you mean? And the next thing you know, you got an argument. You, you don't argue with mythology. So my mother, though, kept making a mistake of asking a logical question. I remember how this battle, fantastic battle, there was an actual... You know, when I, when I write a play, I'm waiting for somebody to write a play about the kind of arguments that people really have. I went to see Virginia Woolf, and I never heard any arguments like that in my whole life. I've never heard people in public argue about sex. Have you? Never. That's in, you know, that's in a playwright's mind. I mean, it, it just isn't that way. But here's the way real arguments. I remember this. This was an argument that was so bad that my, I don't, I don't think my mother and my father talked for about four days after this. And it started in the car about that damn carburetor. So he says this. You know that this guy living in Auburn, Indiana, he spent over 40 years of his life down in the basement inventing a carburetor. You get 150 miles to the gallon. And you know, he invented that, and it, it, he perfected it. 
And it was tested. They tested it. It was, per- it was tested. Oh, you don't think for a minute they'd let that out, do you? <laughs> but, see, my mother says, so. Uh, what do you mean, who let it out? Well, <laughs> hey, you don't think they'd let it out, do you? <laughs> are you, what, what are you? Are you getting soft in the head? You don't think, what do you think that would do? What do you think over there? 150 miles a gallon? You know this thing gets about three miles to the gallon downhill? Why, I keep 17 gas stations going by myself. You don't think they'd let that out? <laughs> Just, well, you mean the gas people wouldn't let it out? Yeah, yeah, what do you think? Of course. She said, but they don't make cars. What are you, are you, are you trying to put me on? What do you mean? She said, well, I, I, you know, does, does the Oldsmobile company make gas? Well, now look here. Are you trying to put me on? Listen, you, now, now, here, let me explain this. Now, if my car got, oh, now, 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 look. Oh, you simple-minded. Now, look. If, if my car got 150 miles a gallon of gas, how many times would I have to fill it, huh? How much gas does it hold? Well, it holds 10 gallons, right? All right, so put 10 gallons of gas. That's how much I put in when I say fill it up. Right, 10 gallons? She says, yes, that's right, 10 gallons. All right, if it got 150 miles a gallon of gas, I would go up. What's 10 times 150? Uh... Well, come on, stupid. What's 10 times 150? She says, well, it, it's a 1,500. 1,500. All right, 1,500 miles, right? 1,500 miles. That means I can drive uh, 1,500 miles? Let's see. Uh, we're here in Chicago. All right. Now, if I drove for 1,500 miles, I would be... Uh, uh... And then she made a fantastic mistake. She says, well, you would be about at Denver. Oh, Denver... Oh, how do you know? She said, well, Denver is 1,538 miles from here. I could see smoke coming out of his ears. The old man, he, you know, <laughs> he figured the moon was 28 miles on us. <laughs> I'm serious. And so <clears throat> he's really bugged now. Because she has added fuel to the flames, and she knows it, you know. So he says, all right, 1,538 miles, all right, okay. So smart, all right. Now, if I drove from Chicago to Denver, 1,538 miles, all right, 1,500, and I, I'll accept what you say, <laughs> 1,538 miles, all right. If I drove to Denver, how many times would I have to fill that car? She says, well, you'd run out of gas just before you got to Denver. You'd dry up I'd run out of... Oh, yeah, 1,500, 1,530... All right, so I'd run out of gas just before I got to Denver. Now he's really getting bugged. And she, he's completely off the point. And she says, then finally, she says, but I still don't understand uh, why the Oldsmobile people don't put this carburetor in the car. What's that got to do with it? What do you mean? After all, if I... If this car gets 150 miles a gallon of gas, right? All right, 150 miles. And I drive 1,500 miles. And, uh... And uh, I have to fill a car once, right? Well, all right, so I'm not buying any gas, right? No, right, yeah, well, all right. <laughs> I'm not buying no gas. Oh, this started to get fantastically heated. And finally, my mother says, I don't want to talk about it anymore. And he'd sit there, bugged. Well, now, from the very beginning of his, from the, the whole, the whole world of his, 
of his, his ideas were based on that one concept. That every possible thing... For example, one of his great beliefs was this. You ready for this one? All right. One day, one day he's, he takes out a shirt out of the drawer. And uh, the drawer... He's got a whole bunch of clean shirts. My mother's ironed in these shirts all the time. See, so he takes his shirt out of the drawer, puts his shirt on, looks in the mirror, and I hear a yell coming out of the out of the bathroom. He says, look at the collar on this damn thing. Look at this. My mother says, what's the matter? What's the matter? Look at this. How old is this shirt? Okay. Look at it. It's worn around the back there. See? 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 Look at that. All that fuzz. I can't go down to the office with a collar that's all fuzzy like that, all worn up. She says, well, all right, here, why don't you take one of the other ones? Oh, all right, I'll take one of them. But let me tell you this. I want to tell you this. Do you know I read in Popular Mechanics about a guy who invented a shirt that the collar never wears out? You could wear a shirt all your life, the same shirt. Oh, you don't see that at J.C. Penney's, do you? <laughs> they wouldn't let that one out. Well, he had to believe that you could, <laughs> you could invent a shirt that would last forever a suit that would clean itself. You ever heard that one? Never get dirty? He believed that you could have a car on which the tires lasted longer than the car. And, of course, they prevented that one because that came out, too. You know, somebody invented that one. That was a guy who lived in Hobart, in the end, invented that one. Uh, he believed he believed that there was a carburetor that would give you 150 miles a gallon of gas. And, oh, I wonder how many guys still believe in the pill that you put in the gas tank. You know what? I'm going to get 50 letters now from angry guys saying, What do you mean? Are you trying to cover up for those finks that bought out that guy that made that pill? <laughs> but this is all part of that, that scene, see? So I, this is all soaking into my head. I remember that. I'm a kid, see? And I'm learning a heck of a lot more in the back seat of the Oldsmobile than I ever learned in the, in the back seat than uh, in the, any classroom in the Warren G. Harding world. Oh, no. I'm learning a lot of stuff. <laughs> and so, one of my old man's favorite crotchets was this one. One day, we drive up to a gas station. You see, you know the old expression, little, uh, you know, big ears? Little pitchers have big ears. <laughs> I'm sitting back there, and I just wonder how many, us, how many of us have heads that are filled with this tremendous garbage heap of stuff that we don't even know where we got. I mean, it's just there, see. For example... I'm sitting in the back seat one day. We drive into a gas station, and uh, they have one of these Coke machines in there. You know these Coke machines? And uh, so he turns and he says, "How about everybody? How about uh, how about some pop? Anybody want any pop? I'm going to get some pop." And uh, he turns to me and my kid brother. My kid brother always says orange. So I said, "I'll have some grape." So he says uh, to my mother, uh, "What do you have?" She says, "Well, I think I'll have a Coke." He says, "Oh no." Oh, no, you don't. No Coke today. She says, why not? He says, well, you just took some aspirin. And my mother says, oh, yes, of course. Well, I'm, you know, I'm sitting back. I'm a little kid. What do you mean? <laughs> well, there was this myth. Now, it's it, this one dies hard. In fact, all the way through school, the kids used to pretend that it was true. That if you eat aspirins, two aspirins, and drink a Coke, you would get bombed out of your head. Now, have you ever heard that one? <laughs> I can remember Schwartz, for example, always pretending that he was bombed. We would go over to the, to, for example, to George's 
which was the lunchroom across the street from school. And when when Schwartz was really feeling, you know, he was really he was really uh, going to kick over to Tracy. He was really feeling uh, expansive. He would take two aspirins out of his pocket, which he always carried with him in case he wanted to get bombed. See, he'd take two aspirins out of his pocket, down the aspirins, and then he would drink a fountain coke, and then he would start staggering around. Oh boy! Oh man, it hits you just like. Oh, man, I don't think I can do it this afternoon. Forget school. Oh, wow. And he was always... <laughs> and he actually probably believed it. But uh, this was one of the great myths. That uh, that uh, That's a folk myth. If you drink uh, Coke, have aspirin, forget it. Ball game's over. Now, like another one of the great myths, of course, that that, that, that many people really believe, and, I, and I've heard this so many times. I mean, even to this day, I hear this one. And I used to hear this every place I'd go. I'm a little kid, you know, and everyone would say it would be this. Oh, no. Oh, no, you don't. Oh, oh, no. You can't. No, no, no ice cream. Forget it. Not after we had fish for dinner, you know. If you mix fish and ice cream, well, it's probably death. I mean, there's no there's no turning back. Have you ever heard this one, Hurt? Fish and ice cream? <laughs> Forget it. Well, uh, we had thousands of these things that uh, that uh, everybody believed, and I, and I think a lot of people still do believe. For example, here's another one of the great favorite beliefs of that type. Now, uh, well, this one this one uh, has to do with pencils. Did you ever see an indelible pencil that when you get the tip of it wet, you can, it makes purple? Uh, you can write with it purple. You've seen indelible pencils? All right, okay. What's the myth about the indelible pencil? You don't know that myth? Oh, Fred, if you get the indelible pencil on your tongue, it is unbelievably poisonous <laughs> that purple and uh, if you if you ever sucked one of these things well you probably wouldn't last the day I mean they it would be the end of it okay can't you just see the obituary little Charlie Gutstop nine <laughs> died today of sucking an indelible pencil <laughs> but every kid believed this now there was another one too my mother used to always say this one in fact even to this day she'll tell you this she'll say uh, now look uh, now, be very careful when you're chewing gum because if, uh, you know, if you're playing baseball or something, when you're chewing gum, you're liable by mistake to swallow the gum. And if you swallow the gum, well, then, you know, it's uh, it'll stop up your stomach or your stomach will stick together. You ever hear that one? Chewing gum and swallowing it? I mean, that's, that's uh, you know, I can see guys die because of the Wrigley Spearmint, you know, down in the gut. And that's the end of it. But uh, there was another one that was very similar to that. Uh, do you do you like these myths? Uh, they're because you know they're part of the folklore of our time. There was there was another myth that had to do speaking of uh, swallowing stuff that could kill you instantly. I mean, if you ever got it, uh, maybe got near some of the stuff, you just uh, it was just instant death. Uh, for example, we had one that said if you ever chewed a pencil, regular pencil, like a uh, Ticonderoga, that's got this yellow on it. If you chewed a pencil. And you swallowed the yellow paint on it. Well, all they could do is order the flowers. You'd die of lead poisoning because the paint's got lead in it. <laughs> and uh, be careful. Well, uh, I was always being told by my mother, you know, to, to not do these, you know, the various things like that because, uh, well, there was another one too that that was very similar. You can't mix things like uh, don't ever mix. Any kind of seafood with uh, milk or ice cream—just uh, it's just a 
it's a, it's a, that's a fatal combination. People die from that one. Uh, well, you know, they believe it. What were some of the other ones? Do you, do you, can you remember any of the others of that type, food type, taboos? These are real taboos. Actually, we don't recognize them as that, but the food type taboos. Oh, what? My mother always believed firmly that if you ever left, key, like, say, canned peaches or canned uh, uh, pineapple, for example, if you left canned pineapple in the can, more than eight and a half minutes, you'd die of tin poisoning. I don't know what the hell tin poisoning was. That's what you got. <laughs> she used to say, oh, that's that's terrible. You got tin poisoning. And, uh, so so she used to always, every the instant something, she'd open a can, she would pour it into something else almost instantly. Oh, yeah, well, that's right. Uh, of course, uh, there's some truth to that. <laughs> Your mother believed you had to cook liver for hours because if you ate liver that was not cooked for hours, you'd get worms? Well, <laughs> I've heard that one, yeah. But, of course, there's some truth to that. That's trichinosis, probably. She's talking about, well, she didn't say trichinosis, beef liver. I see. Worms in the liver. Well, <laughs> I didn't I didn't know about that one. But I'll tell you another one. Uh there was there were there were a lot of them that had to do with various types of vegetables uh, that that you know that you had to be very careful of. For example, there was a there was a belief in uh, in Indiana. Now I came from Indiana. See, they 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 had a lot of vegetables out there that you don't eat here. And uh, well, I'll give you one. Now one here's a vegetable that you rarely see in this area: rhubarb. A rhubarb is a rare thing in the East. And when you do see it, it comes usually in a, in a pie, and that's about the extent of it. But the rhubarb was served that in the, in large parts of the country, certainly not so much here, although you do see it occasionally. It was served with all kinds of other veg, uh, other fruit, like uh, you'd see rhubarb that would be chopped up and stewed with prunes. That was a common one. Have you ever seen that? It was very common. Well, there was a there was a thing about that that if you ate too much rhubarb. You ready for that? If you ate too much rhubarb, your system would be poisoned by the acid, and it would cause your hair to fall out. Now, you never heard that one, did you? Well, as a matter of fact, uh, that we had we had one in our own family to whom that actually happened. My cousin Fred, or rather my uncle Fred, who was, who was bald, was always pointed out as a guy who ate too much rhubarb when he was a kid. And he used to agree that was true. But uh, he learned about how terrible it was on the hair too late, and by that time, he was totally bald. Had he not eaten rhubarb when he was nine, he would have had a big, thick head of black hair all of his life. <laughs> that, now, that's one you probably never even heard of. But uh, there were all kinds of uh, great beliefs. Uh, what's that? Don't eat fresh spinach. The sand on it will kill you. Signed, my mother. <laughs> Where our producer figured that the her mother says, "Don't eat fresh spinach. The sand on it will kill you. It'll grind your guts to bits." <laughs> well, there's a lot of these things uh, around uh, that, that the mythology. Well, we we uh, for example, we had one. I remember there was another one too. That if you that if uh, we had one about sucking on a nail. If you suck on a nail, wait a minute now, listen to this one. If you suck on a nail, you get iron in your system. And uh, that's good or bad, depending. Now, if, 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 it was, if, if you needed iron, it was good. But if, if, if you didn't, what would happen? It would cause your blood 
to rust. That it would... I actually heard this, that, that, that you could get iron, too much iron in your system, and it would cause what they call rusting of the blood. Now, that's a goodie. <laughs> now, there were, there were a lot of them that, uh, that were supposed to be for sleep, for example. The old man always would say, you know, and he would, he would say this as if he had just come upon another new, fresh truth. Uh, you know, I'll tell you what. You know what, what is one of the best remedies if you, if you, if you can't sleep? A glass of hot milk. Well, <laughs> I guess a lot of people believe it. So I guess if they believe it, it works. Who am I going to argue, you know? Because sleep is largely psychological. You know that. And, uh, of course, uh, there are a lot of people, like like my mother used to pull terrible... My mother had a very bad sense of humor. I realize that now. Uh, I, I'll never forget the time that my mother did played the thing with the Sanka. My old man, see, uh, my old man always believed that if he had coffee for supper, he couldn't sleep. Could not sleep. So one night, my mother uh, told the old man that what she's got now is Sanka. She says, this is caffeine-free coffee. And this is this became a legend later in our family. Also, it precipitated a giant fight. So, uh... He said, uh, most legends in our family are built around fights. In fact, I, I would say this. I'm gonna, th <laughs> I'm gonna throw out a, I'm gonna throw out a generalization. Almost all of history, which in a sense is legends, almost all of history is based around giant fights. Wars, of any, of one kind or another. You don't hear much about 1869, but you hear a lot about 1861, which was, uh, during the Civil War, and, uh, the legends of, of the, of the wars, so on, and so, uh, Here's what happened this time. The old man always said, "Oh, if I can't, I just can't. Uh, I can't have coffee at all. I mean, I, can, I, I don't sleep a wink. All I've got to have is one cup, and I don't sleep a wink." And so my mother one night announced that she has gotten Sanka. Now uh, the old man, of course, he loved coffee, so he sat down. He says, "Sanka," and she said, "Well, you've read reading about Sanka. It's a, uh, it's uh, it doesn't have any caffeine in it. It won't keep you awake." He says, well, hmm. Why, that tastes just like, huh, Sanka. This stuff is good, you know. It tastes just like coffee. Hmm. He drank nine cups. He drank two and a half pots of this stuff. Immediately fell asleep after supper. Slept, he always did this, you know, when he go and lay down on the couch. At the <laughs> and he's asleep with a paper over his head. He slept completely in that, that prone position until 11 o'clock at night when my mother derricked him up and moved him stiff-legged into the bed. He fell over and slept completely that way, zonked out until he had to go to work the next day at 7 o'clock in the morning. Well, this kept up for three days. The old man is loving it, see? He's drinking Sanka every night, up to his ears in Sanka. And he's sleeping like he never slept in his life before. And finally, on the last day, my mother says, I haven't been giving you Sanka at all. You've been getting Maxwell House. He said, What? I can't sleep when I drink coffee. You, oh, get out of here. She says, no, you've been drinking. That's, that's right here. That's Maxwell House. You try some more of it. He says, I can't sleep. Well, he didn't sleep for three days. Okay. Try that test on you. Oh, uh, sure. Absolutely. Too much beer gives you gas in the blood. Oh, there's no, it bloats you. 
There's no question about beer is bloating people all the time. You give them too much. Well, I, I, I heard I, you talk about bloating. You know, one of the worst. You know what? One of the worst dangers of, of drinking too much beer, and you bloat. Well, my father used to say this. He says, you know, after and I remember him telling my uncle Carl, who did drink beer. I mean, in fact, my uncle Carl used to have nozzles that would come right in his, you know, his house with beer. He'd just drink it right out of the faucet. And uh, yeah, at the, my old man used to say this, and he believed it firmly. That if you drink beer and it bloats you, he used to say, bloats you. You drink beer and it bloats you. And he said, you get gas, right? He said, bloats you. Well, you've got to be very careful and stay away from an open flame because that bloat is very, very inflammable. <laughs> he used to believe it. And if you did, and you were lighting a match, kaboom, the top of your head right off. <laughs> and you know that 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 uh, have you ever? That, of course, this is the, this is the nature of the beast. I used to secretly try these things. Do you know that that one weekend, when nobody was in the house and they were off visiting my grandmother, do you know that for an entire weekend I drank a whole case of Coke, three boxes of Bayer's aspirin, trying to get high. Nothing. Well, all I did, you know, <laughs> that's about it. But uh, these these myths die. Oh, by the way, we just got the call from a guy who said uh, that he actually did know the guy. He actually did know the guy who invented the pill that you could get over 500 miles to the gallon of water. And he said, when last seen, this guy was tied up down in the hold of a steamer bound for Caracas. Standard Oil bought him out. So there you go. On and on it goes. Mythology marches forward. And, uh, oh, there's going to be myths about the moon. Well, you know, oh, sure. And you know who, uh, they, they pop up in newspapers from time to time. There was the vanilla myth. There was the myth uh, that if you drank, oh, didn't you hear about vanilla? Oh, I won't tell you that one. Oh, no, no. Saturday night, and people get out of hand, you know, friends. I mean, uh, it had to do with an aphrodisiac. No, I won't tell you about that. There's a lot of myths along that one. Oysters, all of it. So thousands and thousands of myths. <laughs> Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.